didn't start the fire It was always burning since the world's been turning We didn't start the fire It was always burning And it's the end of the world as we know it Welcome to This Is How We Die, a podcast about cities, infrastructure, natural disasters, and how you can survive. I'm Megan. And I'm Megan. Hi, Megan. Hey, Megan. How's it going? Pretty good. How about you? Good to be back in the studio with my favorite Megan. Myself. I know. Oh, oh. <laughs> that took a turn. I was so excited. A compliment gone awry. Got, all of a sudden, it's kind of like a non-compliment. An insult, maybe. What would one call the opposite of a compliment? <laughs> so, Megan, have you watched The Twilight Zone? I've seen some episodes. There's this one episode where the girl's in there and she's, the sun is, they're going closer and closer to the sun. And they're, everyone's getting hotter and hotter and they're dying of like heat exhaustion. And then she wakes up from this terrible nightmare, only to find out that actually she's on a planet that's circling further and further away from the sun. It's gone off the normal um, axis. Axis, yes. And it's and then the Twilight Man appears out of nowhere, and he's like, "What's better, like to freeze to death or to die of heat exhaustion?" Well, so what's your choice? I would rather not die at all. That's not an option in this story. Why is this never an option? Because if that was the option, everybody would choose it. Well, I am picking survival because I built a kit and I've been prepared. And I listened to this charming podcast, This Is How We Die, and it taught me everything I needed to know about surviving everywhere. So it doesn't matter. Either way, I'd be fine. She's giving me a look that says that I'm not allowed to give this answer. No, that I mean, it makes sense. But even like, okay, so even... Let's say we are circling further away, further away from the sun. And it gets colder and colder and colder. Eventually, it'll be like negative 100, degree, 100 degrees and we'll die. And also, if it's going closer, 100 degrees. It's like there's no way to survive if you're going to the sun or away from the sun. Like it's only because we're on this perfect axis that we've been able to survive as long as we can as a species. So then I pick cold. Okay. I pick cold too. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. We were going to talk about how to survive deep cold in Chicago, but why when we're okay with dying that way? I don't know how we got this digression, but it seemed like it made sense at the time. Anyway, <laughs> so today we're, work- we're obviously talking about Chicago. Yeah. So Megan, how am I going to die? Okay. So Megan, who loves to hike, is like, oh, I can handle the cold because I, I'm a, I'm a, resolute hiker and I can hike everywhere and so I know how to like stay warm no matter what so she went hiking in negative 25 degree weather because she knows better because she's been camping her whole life and of course when she's hiking she starts to sweat because that's what you do she's in her warm clothes she's like oh let me just take off my jacket right like just a little bit just to cool down a little bit and then you know She's like, oh, wow, it's actually really hot. Let me just take off a, a few more layers here and there. And then all of a sudden, she gets hypothermia. But she doesn't feel it because she's, like, in the deep stages of hypothermia where you feel really warm even though you're freezing to death. And she dies. 
because they do find her when she's cold. So she's still alive because, like, unless you're warm and dead, you're not actually dead. And so they, like, drag her to the hospital. But at that point, they warm her up and she's. Wow. I do appreciate that you talked about that like I wasn't in the room. <laughs> Because, like, I need the disassociation. (laughs) (laughs) Poor, poor thing. So how do I die? (laughs) So I know how you're going to die in deep freeze Chicago. One thing you should know about Megan is that she spent some time living in Russia. And she thinks the way that you, like, survive cold is the Russian way. Well, they've survived hundreds of years, thousands of years doing the Russian way. So every time I've tried to make the notes for this episode, she's made it very clear that I have too much, like, American tips on building preparedness kits and too few bottles of vodka. (laughs) And so I am almost positive that Megan, sitting at home, mourning me because I'm, she knows I'm out in the woods in this deep freeze. And and, I warned you not to go. there's just no way I'll survive. I warned you not to go. (laughs) She's drinking Shot after shot of vodka to bring your temperature back up, enjoying a luxurious time in, in touching the, the snow, hanging out in the sauna, taking another shot of vodka. And uh, yeah, you, you're going to die of alcohol poisoning. Because <laughs> I can't get to the hospital. Yeah, the roads are all impassable. You just so certain it would keep you warm and help you survive. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I've miscalculated greatly. So, yes, that's how we'll die. So, also, let's talk about why we're talking about Chicago. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And it's an interesting one because you wouldn't think Chicago would show up on our list at all. Because it often actually appears on lists of cities that are considered, like, the safest and the least likely to experience natural disaster. But no city's safe. (laughs) No city's safe. Not only is Chicago, like, you know, a cow could kick over a candle and suddenly your whole city's on fire. Or, oh, yeah, I forgot uh, that happened. <laughs> or, you know, you could have a breach of an underground tunnel nobody knows is still there. It fills with water from Lake Michigan and shuts out, down all your power. Uh, Ooh. I know. <laughs> but those weren't natural disasters. Those were... Uh, People disasters. And, and cow disasters. Cow disasters. <laughs> but... Um, We talked about Chicago because it's very susceptible to huge swings in temperature. And especially as we're starting to see more extreme temperatures, both cold and hot. And just this winter, they went through like a severe polar vortex. It was a very cold winter in some places, um, including Denver and their like bomb cyclone, (laughs) which is just like the best name for any weather event I've seen. Um, And... People do not think of cold and hot weather as, like, natural disasters. They just think of it as, like, yeah, in the summer it gets hot, in the winter it gets cold. Like, this isn't a big deal. But these, like, really huge extremes where we're going down to, like, negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit and we're going up to 115 degrees in cities that have never experienced that before, these are natural disasters. They just feel more subtle than, like, a hurricane, but a hurricane is not just a windy day, and extreme temperatures are not just like a particularly cold day. And also, before we start on, we're doing extreme cold for Chicago, but it's also important to note that in the summer, they do experience severe urban heat islands. And actually, the worst urban heat island event that happened in the United States happened in Chicago, where hundreds of people died from heat. 
um, because it caused power shortages, which for vulnerable populations was really bad. But that's a side note. A case he made, especially with climate change and everything, that we're going to be seeing more extreme weather on both sides than we've seen before. And so for this purpose, it's good to just highlight what happens in extreme cold and what are the long-term cascading impacts of that. So can we talk about the worst-case scenario? Yeah, what is the worst thing that's going to happen to Chicago? Okay, so whenever I was doing this, I decided, I was like, what are the most extreme cold events? And obviously, my little like brain obviously went to every time that anybody ever tried to invade Russia. Germans, the French, well, Napoleon and Hitler, they both tried to invade Russia. Didn't work out well for them at all because each time they like were surprised, the Russian winter. But then I found out about something else, which I thought was pretty interesting. It was called, oh dear, I don't speak French. Forgive me. Le Grand Hiver. I like Hiver. that you're even trying. Let's just go with full American butcher of French. Le Grand, Le Grand Hiver. 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 <laughs> we said it was like a German accent. <laughs> Let's just call it the Great Frost. Frost. Yes. Also known as the Great Frost. So this happened in 1709. Um, it's called the French Freeze, but really it happened to all of Europe. It was four months of freezing weather in areas where they're not used to having freezing weather. Like, it was below zero for the majority of the time. Uh, The canals in Venice froze over, and people got around by ice skating. Isn't that beautiful? That's very, like, Canadian of them. I know. That's what they do in Ottawa. And my first thought was, you know, where did they get all these ice skates from? (laughs) Right? Like, did they repurpose, like, their pails? And, like, how did they make ice skates so quickly? The Venetians are like, well, they they are the artisans. They can make anything. Making like lemons out of lem- lemonade out of lemons. So it wasn't necessarily a food problem, but then it became a food problem because the French drink wine. That's something they've been known to do. Yes, yes. and and um, everything froze solid. Their wine froze solid. Their water froze solid. Their food froze solid. And so, because only liquor remains in liquid form, that's why Russians drink it so much. That's why, like, up north, the further north you go, like, even in Korea, everything's liquor, and it's because it doesn't freeze. Also, everything they built was made to be beautiful, not necessarily functional. So all, even the very, very wealthy with their wine and their castles discovered that this didn't help them at all because their wine froze, but also their castles were not actually built for insulation or warmth at all. A lot of the cattle froze to death. And then, uh, you know, thousands of people died of hypothermia. And but basically, the thing to also remember is that the entire supply chain of Europe just broke down because ships got iced in. The problem also is that whenever the thaw did happen, all of these diseases just broke out. And so within a year, a pandemic had broken out and killed thousands of more people because also because they had that four months of you know lack of food and water and inadequate nutrition their immune systems and their bodies were just weaker so the historical ab- impact that's pretty interesting is that um when everybody was freezing and frozen and somehow the swedes were even like caught off guard by this but the russians they've been waiting their whole lives for this <laughs> and so peter the great took this opportunity to like defeat sweden in the battle of uh, poltava this is what made Russia into, like, a modern European superpower. Before they were, like, considered to be, like, these savages in the north. Like, better than Mongols, but not, like, very much better. 
And this is how he was like, guess what, guys? We're here now. And it's all because this thaw, this freeze happened and the Swedish were unprepared and their supply chains broke down. So they weren't able to like supply the battles. See, proof that preparedness is just another way for you to like gain market share. Like you're you're really keying yourself up to be ready to take over when all the unprepared people don't survive. This is so true. Like the economic benefit that you get from being just a little bit prepared over everyone else. So the people who had like the gas stations, the gas stations that had generators like in hurricanes. And so they were actually able to pump the fuel out. Like they made bank because they could price gouge as much as they wanted. And they also got FEMA to pay for like some of the upgrades because they were like had to give it at a certain price. But then the rest of the fuel was theirs to charge as much as they wanted to. So they made bank, whereas like all the other gas stations that didn't do get generators, like they were they were closed. They yeah, weren't they were doing closed. anything. So why do we look at the Great Frost and then say, how about Chicago? Oh, uh, I guess that's <laughs> that. I should have connected that. <laughs> that's my job. I'm your co-host. Yeah. The reason why this matters is because that was a frost that happened in Europe, and Europe is pretty temperate normally. Uh, I would say, and Chicago is actually a relatively temperate climate as well and so they experienced this great freeze and to this day we don't know why that's the craziest thing is we don't know why it happened but it did happen and so it could happen and it did happen just in like january in chicago and so it's just it's important to see like what happens to people who are used to temperate climates whenever they're exposed to extreme cold yeah so the steel city is really interesting um because I didn't think it was a temperate place. Like, I really thought it was a place that did get really, really deep cold winters and really, really hot summers. And then I started to actually look at the data and I was like, actually, they're pretty close to Seattle in temperatures, much less rain, but very similar temperatures. It was really like funny to me to find out that people used to like pitch Chicago as like a place you could go in the summer to like get away from like the horrible heat of the Midwest and like, you know, kind of spend some time on the in the breezy villa of Chicago. <laughs> but uh, it Chicago is a big city. It's. 10, th- or 10 million people. How many pizza places? Deep, deep <laughs> 10 dish million pizza people places. live in the metro area. Approximately 20 million like deep dish pizza places. Um, and they are actually the second largest city for tourism. So when we talked about New York and we're like, it sucks to have a bunch of unprepared people visiting your city who've never thought to consider like how they would escape. So Chicago has that that little tidbit too. Chicago is also a really interesting place because it's the it is such an incredible supply chain hub for this nation. Um, from rail lines to literally every time you want to fly everywhere, they want to put you through hair. Fight that urge. Don't let them do that to you. It's essential for moving goods and people from one end of this country to the other. And so when big freeze events happen their their ability to maintain their infrastructure becomes everyone's ability to maintain their goods and services railways are really interesting because it snowed here in seattle in february and i remember (laughs) i remember the great mild snow of february you would have thought that i mean i've literally heard people say like well, the decisions we had to make during February's blizzard, which is hilarious because it was not a blizzard. <laughs> it was a mild snowfall. We had approximately two feet of snow over like two days. weeks. <laughs> like, um, 
But one of the things that didn't go down during that was our rail lines. And so I was very like, wow, rail is super resilient. And it turns out that's not totally the case. If you think about like when you go out in the cold and you like pull into yourself to like kind of you contract, that's what metal does too. Oh, it's yeah. just like, brr, it's so cold out. And so what happens is the lines kind of shrink down and pull away from each other at the joints. And what Chicago was having to do to like keep the rail line warm enough to move trains was to set them on fire. <laughs> I like love this. This is the most like low tech like dramatic solution of all time so they just yeah had people out there with you know fire torches fire sticks like blow torches i actually get blow torches (laughs) i actually want that job i would like love to be that person for that day and just like set fire to things and like you're being paid to set fire to things to to railroads it's like also pretty like epic like walking away i have to like listen to like really intense music just, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, like chariots of fire. I'm just watching you like set fire to a rail line and then walk away without looking back. Yes. Let's talk about the risks and the vulnerabilities of Chicago. All of those deep dish pizzas are the, is the main hazard facing Chicago. No. <laughs> the main hazard is um, that we're talking about, obviously, is extreme prolonged cold. So sometimes it happens inexplicably. Sometimes it just happens if there's volcanoes or some sort of ash in the atmosphere, which prevents the solar rays from hitting the Earth. See the dinosaurs, their whole ice age. It didn't work out well for them. didn't work out well for them. Um, And then there's also the polar vortex. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So the polar vortex, basically it's – so there's the Arctic winds – and there's uh, circular bands of winds near the poles that are strongest in the wintertime. And they, they basically, like, hold in all the Arctic winds so they can't escape rubber bands holding things in. So normally they act as, like, those barriers. Every so often the winds break down and they allow the Arctic winds to escape to other places. So um, this polar air is the, what drops the temperatures and causes a polar vortex. So the polar vortex that just happened, that was literally Arctic winds, like, hitting the Midwest and the East Coast. Yeah, there were points that the Midwest was colder than the temperature being recorded at the North Pole. It would, It's insanity to think about it. Like, yeah. like, that's so cool. Like, the air that was freezing you to death is from the Arctic. Travel that whole way. <laughs> just to torture just you. Just to torture you. <laughs> so it's not just that the wind is cold and the air is cold, which none of us enjoy, but it is deeply cold. It's very bad for people. Public health is having to put out notices to people that they did have to cover all their extremities before going outside. Um, the fact that I read multiple articles that were like, we know that ankles are really in in fashion right now, but like maybe protect yourself from the freezing cold all the same. Uh, says a little bit about how prepared people were to, like, actually face this depth of cold in their cities. Yeah, so whenever you're, like, in a natural hazard, like, fashion should not be your concern. Do not worry about if you're, like, cute cutoff, like, work pants with your, like, stiletto heels. That looks cute because it doesn't matter because you're going to have to cut off your feet because you get high, because you get, like, 
Like frostbite so badly that your entire foot toe is black. That's not attractive ever. And what heels can you wear then? <laughs> In addition, the cold is really hard on infrastructure. So, you know, we talked about the rail lines and, like, what that does to the metal that makes up those lines. But metal makes up a lot of our infrastructure, (laughs) including our power lines. And our water mains. Yeah, and our water mains. Yeah, can water freeze? And what happens when it does? Does it get smaller or larger? I think we should think about this. I think we should think about that a lot, actually. <laughs> and then there's also like economic exhaustion, which is that basically it's super expensive to keep a place warm and to keep yourself warm and to keep a place running in extreme cold. Um, it's it, like in Siberia, like they, they have all these like li- these towns that the Soviet Union just kept running no matter what. And they said that just getting supply chains there and, like, trying to, like, get supplies to these people in these Arctic areas um, and keeping the places warm enough to, like, be livable, more expensive than they've flown all those people back to Moscow to, say, the Four Seasons with full brunch every morning. Like, it's it's billions of dollars. If that's, like, forever. That's a forever settlement. Like, that's not what for Chicago would be. But still, like, even a month, two months, that's very expensive for any city to handle. Even two weeks of snow in Seattle and my gas and electric bills both came back double what they were the year before. Can you tell me about the ice tsunami? I've been waiting and waiting to hear about it. Yeah, so do we ever have an episode that doesn't involve a tsunami of some kind? (laughs) I hope that we never have an episode that doesn't include a tsunami of some kind. Because what's the point? Ice tsunamis happen when... The top layer of a lake freezes in a very windy area, and the wind starts pushing the ice onto the land. No, 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 no. So there's just slow-moving ice taking over the banks of whatever this body of water is. Like how how slow? What's our rate of speed for this? Is it like... You know, over the course of the day, you just watch it slowly creep up? Or yes. is it like an hour? Or like... Yeah, like you can see that it's moving towards you, but nobody's going to come become overcome by an ice tsunami. <laughs> well, you can also experience ice quakes. Ice quakes? Yes. So ice quakes are what happen when cold causes moisture in the ground to freeze. And when it expands, it causes cracking. And that can, like, actually cause not only huge, loud, explosive noises, but shaking similar to, like, an earthquake scenario. What? Like a very minor earthquake. That's pretty cool. (laughs) You're, like, way too excited about experiencing this ice quake. Well, because it's, like, the best possible ice, like, earthquake. Because it's just, like, a little baby one full of ice. Megan, how how did we make this worse? Did we make this worse? I mean, how could we possibly be responsible for it being extremely cold? Us mere mortals. We're not. I mean, everybody knows that climate change is because of things that are far beyond the control of humans. (laughs) I think those people are wrong. So the Arctic is warming at twice the rate of the world average, which means that the low of levels of, well, besides, like, the starving polar bears, which is what, like, haunts my dreams and Instagram. Also, like, what's going to happen to Santa? I mean, it's concerning. He built an entire workshop on that ice. I know, like, all these children, no Christmas gifts for them. 
oh, deal with climate change for the children. Not, you know, for their future and clean air and all that, preventing asthma, but just to make sure they have Santa Claus. This is a war on Christmas. <gasps> it is, is a war, war on Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Finally, we found a way we can all get behind stopping climate change. Because climate change is a war on Christmas. So how does this warming of the Arctic affect our polar vortex? So because the Arctic is warming, um, it has low levels of ice, which means that it increases the frequency of um, the it warms the, the winds are warmer from the ice, and so it kind of breaks down those bands that protect. So the bands that normally like hold everything up top real tight are loosening. They are loosening because it's getting warmer and warmer. Because there's less ice. And so that's how it keeps on escaping. And that Arctic air just goes running down south. And they're like, I know who I want to see. Hello, Chicago. <laughs> I, want, I want a deep dish pizza. I keep on making fun of them for deep dish, deep dish pizza. But I'm just jealous because I can't have deep dish pizza. Chicago. That's what it, this is. It's a jealousy thing. We've also moved people inside to protect them from the cold. Chicago has like five miles of pedestrian like underground pathways and walkways between buildings so that in the winter you don't have to go out and experience the wind tunnel of their own making. <laughs> the way they built their buildings is lined up exactly so that as the winds come in in the winter, it kind of narrows them and pushes them through at a much higher speed to ensure that it's miserable to be outside at any given time. Do you feel like maybe the architect of Chicago secretly hated Chicago and was like, I know what I'll do? No, Chicago is so proud of their architecture. They have like a whole Chicago style. No, they, ha- they have beautiful like architecture. But maybe the city planner was jealous of those architects and he's like, I'm going to make you do a wind tunnel. I'll teach you a lesson that will last for the ages. <laughs> Um, one of the other, like, reasons that, but, like, okay, so everybody's inside. Okay, so they push everybody inside because you don't want to be in a wind tunnel and it's cold and there's all this nice indoor walking you can do. But it turns out that spending all your time inside makes people sad. And it stops them from engaging in their community because it's really hard to do when you are inside all the time and you're inclined to just stay at home or stay inside your buildings. And um, even as things get nicer out, like studies have shown that people are less inclined to move outside again after they've spent long periods kind of living their lives indoors. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, like you're, you hibernate for the winter and then you just don't want to stop hibernating because you like got halfway through like a Netflix series and you have to finish it. Yeah, and I'm afraid that I'll have to start running again and I prefer eating cheese. I mean... That makes sense to me. Yes. For me, these are opposites. <laughs> so let's talk prepping, prepping, prepping. Prepping, prepping, prepping. How are we going to survive the ice apocalypse? The day after tomorrow comes. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie's so terrible. We're not in the New York Library burning all the good books. I mean, why the good books? Yeah. Why, why didn't start... they start in the children's section? They should have started with, like, you know... The Twilights and the Jody Picoult books. Anyway, so what is in our like my survival bag and what's in your? Let's start with your survival bag. My survival bag. Um. Well, I'm gonna keep things on hand that I need. So, 
The nice thing about building a kit is that a lot of times that kit can be used for a lot of different things. Um, And it can be used no matter what your event is. So, you know, keeping your weeks of food and medications and supplies for your family on hand, um, always keeping gas in your car. Like a good emergency manager doesn't let their car drop below half a tank of gas, partly because... You want to be able to escape when you need to escape. And partly because people start gouging gas prices pretty quickly in like any kind of emergency event. So like buy it when it's cheap. Yeah. I have all of that. You have, yeah, basically all of your emergency things. But I also have basically the the things I usually have in Pennsylvania, Um, but also extra things, namely vodka. Which lots of vodka. I will note does freeze at negative 31 degrees. That's the one thing I have to keep wrapped up in blankets then. Because <laughs> once that fuck is gone, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Something bad. So thermal blankets. Um, you should have a basic fire starting kit. Um, like, let's hope that you don't have to set your furniture on fire. I doubt that's going to happen. Don't burn all the good books. But if yeah. you have to. I'll start with all my grad school books. Oh, yeah, those can go. Bonfire. Yeah, public health, food supply chains. <laughs> I was actually thinking of my um, econometrics. Ooh, yeah. Oh, climate change in cities. Who needs that? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that anymore. We've internalized it. Um, so newspaper actually is works as insulation in a pinch. So, like, I think it's worth, if it's getting really, really cold and somehow the heat, the power goes off, you know, it's just always good to have extra newspaper on hand. Um, Who gets the newspaper? Nobody gets the newspaper anymore. This is a good way to support journalism and stay warm at the same time. Exactly. Now, when you're talking insulation, am I shoving it into my walls during, like, a freeze, or am I keeping it on my body? So, actually, you put it on your body. It's what homeless people do. (laughs) It's also what Russians do, and homeless Russians do, and it actually works pretty well. Um, cause I tested it cause I wanted to see, but yeah, like you, you just put it in the lining. And so the thing is, is about people like talk about, you know, thermal clothes and that's all good. But the thing that actually keeps people warmer than thermal clothes, and I'm not saying like, get thermal clothes, get thermal clothes for sure. But layers are what actually keep you warm because the, la- the, the layers allow you to trap the heat between the different layers of clothes. So it, it traps hot air. So whenever you have newspaper or just anything like that in between, um, it, it, it creates lots of like little air pockets that keep warm. So it actually works as a pretty good insulator for your body. So, I mean, I'm not saying like <laughs> your, your first step shouldn't be like, let's go like push like newspapers like throughout my clothing in the cold situation. But like, let's say you're in a worst case scenario, it, it's something you can do. But also it is, you can actually insulate it for your windows and underneath your door. Um, it's it works you know it's not ideal um obviously if you're in a city you probably this is a very worst case scenario like i don't know i think all the journalists of the tribune right now are like yeah tell them they have to start subscribing to the newspaper to survive magazines work too actually i don't know if they 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 don't have that same they're not as comforting as as newspaper they're too glossy um and then also high calorie food just Calories are your friends, and everything that you touch is trying to steal your heat. That's how you have to think about this. So 
just eat. Normally, you live on a diet your whole life. This is not that time. This is a time where you get to eat whatever you want. Like, eat, 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 and make sure it's as dense as possible. Then Chicago really is the best city to experience this freezing. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. Like, the, the pizza places can't close. They'll keep everyone alive. Yeah, that's why we didn't do Minneapolis. We'd just be like, oh, hot dish. No, we can talk about deep dish pizzas and, like, Chicago dogs. Um, and then bags of the icing. And then um, try to find a way to, like, heat and light at least one room in your house. Um, without that doesn't depend on the grid. So, and then also chapstick, chapstick, tire trains, while window scraper, clothing. But like chapstick is actually really useful. Tons and tons of moisturizer. Oh, I forgot this. This is the most important things for girls, but also just for everyone in general. Like whenever it's really cold, like your skin gets so dry that it cracks and starts to bleed, which is also really bad for you. (laughs) So just keep your face like. Like, just keep a layer of moisturizer on your face at all time, like a face mask and, like, all the chapstick. Yeah, it's interesting because I think people definitely think when they're really hot, they need to make sure they're drinking enough liquids and, like, keeping themselves hydrated. But that is just as important when you're facing extreme cold, especially cold with, like, a wind, um, because that will just steal your moisture as well. Basically, the weather is out to get you. (laughs) The weather's not your friend in the situation. So it's polar vortex time, or it was a couple of months ago. (laughs) How do I survive this polar vortex? So your mantra, I think, should be, there's no such thing as cold weather, only cold clothing. This is a Russian mantra. So they're always like, wear more clothes, wear more clothes. And there's a reason for it, and because of all the things that said, air bubbles, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so, yeah, just layer up. You're like, well, maybe I don't need this extra pair of socks. You do. Yeah, to cover your high ankle pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't stop at one layer. Don't stop at two. Stop at three or four. Especially for if it's, like, negative 20 degrees. Like, first of all, there shouldn't be an inch of your body that's uncovered. Like, you should be covering up your mouth. You should turn into, like, what is that That tire? That tire oh, the Michelin thing. Man. Yeah. Think Michelin Man. That's your goal. Like, go Michelin Man on this. Like, why are you going outside at all? If you don't need to go outside and experience the elements, don't. I understand that when they canceled schools in the Midwest because of the polar vortex, um, crotchety old baby boomers were like, oh, we had to go to school when it was still cold. But, you know, there's cold and then there's the temperature of the North Pole outside. And if you recall, in the North Pole, Cinda's elves were always very covered up. Yeah, they're always wearing jackets and hats. They've got tights on. They've got their little curly Q shoes, perfect for trapping hot air inside. I yeah. mean, those those are very good heat trapping clothes that they have. Yeah, they're not humans, and they don't exist. Uh, <laughs> so they're a great example. But um, also, baby boomers like. You didn't have parents that sold out your entire climate for immediate financial gain, therefore forcing Arctic winds to close down your schools. So maybe you shouldn't judge. Just saying. Just thought, baby boomers. So let's talk about the great mild snowfall of February in Seattle. In the lead up to Seattle snow, If you went to the grocery store, it was just like 
a barren wasteland <laughs> where people have bought all the beer and all the vegetables, even though, like, they're not going to eat all those mushrooms. Like, this, yeah, like, I, the lines were long. It was, like, Moscow in 1985 there with, like, these long food lines, like, circling around the block. But I couldn't get over. I literally just circled the grocery store looking at the options. Like, all the bacon was gone. All of the organic free-range eggs were gone, but not the regular eggs. They were all <laughs> still there. Um, yeah, all the fresh bread. Every single last avocado, gone. And I know that because I wanted those avocados, so I'm just as bad as they are. Um, but the canned goods, they were all there. Um, the bread, the non-organic bread, still there. <laughs> What does this have to do with Chicago, though? Are we just complaining about our city? <laughs> well, it's it's about making smart grocery shopping choices. And so whenever you're preparing for a deep freeze, remember, calories are your friends. And normally, you know, I'm always about eating healthy. But don't buy the fresh produce because if especially if you're going to be, well, like, it's going to be hard to get supplies for a while. And since supply chains chains do break down it could be very well be that it could be a while before your grocery store is restocked this is the one time that it's okay like you don't really have to worry about keeping your food close your food cold because you're in a deep freeze you can just put the food outside so buy the canned food buy all the things that you can keep in a freezer because those will keep because you're in a deep freeze and you're going to need it so the polar vertex is going to come again. Mm -hmm. That's inevitable. So what should we in Chicago? <laughs> we in Chicago. I'm here in Seattle. Uh, what should what should our pals in the Midwest do to get ready for the next one? You mean when winter is coming? Yes, when winter is coming. Well, not unlike Game of Thrones. Like if you remember Game of Thrones, has anybody seen the show? I know it's very. I know, it's like, not very popular. No one's, no one's ever seen it really, but. In the north, they typically have lots of rugs on the walls and, like, tapestries. Tapestries. That's a wall rug. As much rug-like things around it. Like, go very medieval. Like, medieval people, like, they, they like, hunt up, like, thick curtains on the, on the walls and um, on the windows. But also sometimes on the walls. And they have thick rugs. And this helps insulate. There's a reason why they had such, like, those, like, thick velvet um, curtains and bedclothes. It's to keep the heat in. And it's not just because of the sexy velvet thing. <laughs> no. It's always good for your emergency supplies to serve two purposes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very sexy, like, bedcloth curtain thing that we have on our canopy bed. It also will keep us warm in the deep freeze in which we'll never emerge from. This is, like, legitimately how I talk to my husband. <laughs> I'd be like, look at this sexy bed I made. Also, it'll help us prepare for emergencies. He's like, you ruin everything. We're like, imagine the ice people will be outside, but we'll be here, warm and cozy. I don't know. Yeah, the, no. What do they call the ice walkers? The white walkers. White walkers. I think ice walkers is more clear. I mean, it. yeah, it's more accurate, I suppose. So insulation is your friend. Diesel is better than gasoline. Diesel, gasoline freezes very easily. So for generators, you want a diesel generator, not a gasoline one. And 
Generators are a tricky thing because people seem to think that you buy a generator and you just like power it up and your whole house is running off this power. And that is not how it works. Um, To start with, if you want to power your house with a generator, you actually do have to install a switch and have your house wired to be able to be supported by a generator. And you have to buy a generator that's appropriate for the size of house you have. So like everything that you might want to turn on over the course of like this time you're trapped inside during the polar vortex, you need to make sure that your generator can actually produce a larger amount of energy than whatever your highest load will be. So if you've got the oven and the heat and people are watching TV and there's like a karaoke machine going on in one room and like a little like, you know, battery powered like fireplace in another room, like make sure that your generator is producing more energy than these need to run it. My generator will only be powering my karaoke machine. I mean, what else do you need? You'll be like drunk on vodka, wrapped up in newspapers, <laughs> and singing karaoke. This is exactly how I imagine this to go. This is like the end of days. <laughs> this is the polar vortex I want to experience. <laughs> You're like, how was the polar vortex for you? I'm like, it was the best party of my life. <laughs> um... Also, if you reverse the fan, like this is a very low tech thing, but it's it pushes the heat down onto the ground. So like ceiling fans? Yeah. Okay. And then um, you should let your faucets like drip because you don't want the your pipes to completely freeze up. Um, close off the unused rooms. So you don't need every single room in your house. Um, so so just choose one room. All of you can hang out there and just have electricity for just that room. But so I guess now we get to the, like, the fun part, which is how do we make it better? Yeah. How can we build cities in a smarter way that help us survive these cold events? And I will tell you what the answer is not. I read an article <laughs> entitled, Should Cities Embrace Their Heat Island to Protect Against Extreme Cold? And the answer is No. It's a terrible idea. Urban heat islands are not good. We should be building with materials that don't cause us to raise the temperature of our city significantly and alter weather patterns around us. And we certainly shouldn't do it because sometimes it gets super cold in the winter. Because then it'll just be super hot for a lot longer time in the summer, which is equally as bad. And it will just worsen this cycle that causes warming in the Arctic, which brings cold air down towards us. But so undergrounding the infrastructure is probably the best option because it protects it from freezing conditions. Yeah. So electrical lines should be undergrounded and people don't do it because it's expensive. I mean, they do make the argument that it's harder to repair them and you can't necessarily see where breaks are the way you can when you can just look up in the sky and be like, yeah, that power line's down. But the fact is, energy companies don't like to do it because the upfront cost is so expensive. But the long-term health of your infrastructure is a lot better. Yeah. This is one of those things. There's not much that we can do except stop climate change. Yeah. It would be great if we could do something about climate change. Like, absolutely right this second because we're the last people who have the opportunity to make this difference. Yeah. So that would be great if we could do that. In the meantime, in the meantime, <laughs> um, another thing we can look at for like the design of cities is to build infrastructure that respects the cold, that recognizes you're in a cold place. So while Chicago's current infrastructure might, you know, create 
blasting cold wind tunnels, you can actually build cities in a way that says, we know it's going to be cold outside. How can we make life in the cold better? And that's what they've done in Edmonton, Alberta, up in Canada, is they've implemented a winter design guideline, and it literally covers everything. It covers, like, where balconies should be on buildings to collect the most daylight. It covers what colors the building should be to, like, add cheeriness and, like, um, light reflection instead of, like, these dark colors that, like, absorb all the light. Um where they want to do wind blocks, they've planted evergreen trees because they know that in the winter they'll still be sturdy, like full trees. And where they want to bring in sunlight, they've planted deciduous trees since they'll be leafless during the winter. Like a lot of thought has gone into like how can we make living outside in the winter not miserable for people. And it's all because of this like goal of like making the cold more tolerable but also like engaging people in their city year round because people do get really sad when they stay in all the time and they don't get the same like social connection and like those long winter days can be very hard for people mentally and so getting people out and doing things during whatever daylight you have is like really important to the like general mental health of a city which actually is really important to just the city's like ability to survive at all. And they've created a winter excitement guide, which is like fun outdoor events they have in the cold to like encourage people to come out and do like winter markets outside and like play games outside with each other. And so that's it's all part of their like general will change the way we design our city and that will change the way inhabitants live. So going back to Nibble Brisk, which is like my new favorite today when I they also have outdoor excitement but there's this more of like the ter- terrifying russian variety of like jumping <laughs> off of buildings for like a couple stories into snowdrifts and like jumping in cold rivers with water pipes beneath it and all like they're all like i mean it's exciting but like in the we might die away yeah i think edmonton's like more like you know maple syrup tastings and like who looks the best in a mountie hat competitions Actually, whenever I was there, they were always playing volleyball outside in, like, five feet of snow. And in full snow gear, they're, like, <laughs> playing volleyball. There was also, like, a chess competition. And, like, they were sitting outside in negative 15-degree weather for hours playing chess. And they didn't even look the slightest bit cold. They were, like, just, like, so intent on it. So they spent a lot of time outdoors just doing, like, normal activities that you – so there are ways of – Living outside in the cold, you just have to get used to it. And then also vodka. Vodka helps with that. And I know that everyone's like, no, you know, if you drink, then you get cold. Like, it makes you colder afterwards, which is true if you ever get sober. See, I've mostly read that if you drink, it makes you foolish about how well layered and protected you need to be. Like, you start to think you're hot and take off your clothes. That Well, that has not been my experience with what I've seen. Like, they... They don't feel that way ever. And it's also not – they're not drinking copious amounts. Like, they're they're drinking, like, a little bit every hour, just enough that they never get drunk, but they never get sober. They just always have this amount of, um, of alcohol in their system to keep them warm. And I think that explains a lot about the rampant Russian alcoholism problem that they struggle from. But it's also – and they also use banyas, so, like, invest in banyas uh, or saunas. Oh, sorry. That's 
Yeah. So saunas, like they, it, it helps keep your blood moving because you have to keep your your blood circulating. So sometimes it'd be really really hot, and then you go out and so cold. There's there's a real reason for it, and they're not the only culture that does it. In Korea, like basically all the really cold countries. Yeah, very that, popular in Scandinavian countries. Yeah. yeah. So see, you could be living through a polar vortex, like huddling in the corner, freezing and shivering, crying over all your rotten avocados. <laughs> Or you could be at Megan's house, like, hanging out in the sauna, singing karaoke, taking shots of vodka, and, like, living your best life all wrapped up in your newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited. I know, right? It's going to be, like, the party of the century because we'll be, like, trapped together for days. And, like, you can't go to work or be, like, a functional human being. So you might as well, like, live it up a little. <laughs> Um, so thank you for listening. Um, if you like the pod, please follow us on Instagram at this is how we die podcasts and take the time to jump into Apple podcasts and give us a five star review because apparently those are the only reviews that actually matter. Yeah. Also, we just live and die by people's like praise. And if you don't give it to us, we might just shrivel up. Not just because we're insecure, but also because the algorithm will like make us fade away. Yeah. Help us make Apple like us. Yeah, like, we don't want to be ghosts. And our thanks, as always, to Jordan, our favorite sound guy, our only sound guy. We paid him in Thai food tonight. As we do typically. And also to Jake for our amazing theme song. And my huge thanks to Megan, who got this mom out of the house on Friday night. And even though I insisted that I was going to leave by 9.30, I ended up coming home well after midnight, which... um led to a fairly hungover hike the next day. <laughs> I never asked you how that hike went. Yeah. Uh, the first half of it did not go so well. <laughs> and I would also like to thank Megan for going out with me. And I, even though I promised her that she'd be back at 9.30, knowing full well that she wouldn't be. <laughs>